Chapter 10 The subdued sound of flowing water woke me up. Without opening my eyes, I assumed I was in the camper beside the river in Chiapas, with Mahalena in bed beside me. As I sat up, outside the one window was a well-tended garden of round black stones and frilly green ferns, alongside a small pool with water lilies being fed by a tiny trickling stream. And no mahi. I felt a curious sensation expanding inside my chest, as if I was trying to sense where she was located right now, physically, in which direction. I needed to pee, so I got up looking for my clothes. They were nowhere, nor was my backpack. Instead, I found a neat stack of clothes on a table, and pulled on white meditation pants with drawstring, headed out the bedroom door, and found myself in an expansive inner courtyard bordered on three sides with low, tile-roofed buildings with quite a few rooms similar to mine. I walked on cool tiles along the porch and found a designated ombre bathroom, did my thing, and then headed on down the outdoor hallway feeling suddenly extremely hungry. There were birds singing in the trees, shading the back courtyard. A small fountain tinkled over mossy stones. I came to another open door and stood for a moment, looking in at around fifteen people, sitting silently, cross-legged, facing some sort of rustic shrine and covering the walls were paintings I immediately recognized as Michael's handiwork. No heads turned to look at me. I walked on around a corner and found another open door that led into a large dining room. I found some granola and bananas and diced mangoes, opened a fridge and got out some local yogurt, and wolfed down the food. I walked around to the third part of the rectangle, across from my bedroom. There was a door ajar, and I gave it a slight push. Inside, I found a large room, maybe thirty by forty feet. Light was flowing in from big north-facing windows. On the walls and several easels were a bunch of paintings in various stages of completion. And there was the artist himself, painting up a storm in the far corner. He seemed totally engrossed, swabbing a dab of bright pigment onto a canvas, and then attacking the blob of color with a knife, then with a big brush, working diligently to generate shape and hue into some parallel reality. I couldn't make out what he was painting, something long and tall with deep blue and green against a gold background. After a minute or two, I began to feel uneasy watching him, and turned around to go before I might disturb his concentration. Jack, come here, El Maestro said briskly, without looking my way or stopping with his knife movements. As I got closer to the painting, I realized what was taking shape on that canvas, and at the same moment noticed on a table beside him the jade piece itself. He turned and caught me staring at it, 
Without hesitating, he reached and picked it up with a reverential expression, and handed it to me. I took the thing tentatively. The smooth stone wasn't cold like it had been up north. Down here in the warmer air, it had a distinctive, different feel, almost soft in my fingertips. He was eyeing me closely. You have the skin of an Englishman, he said to me, but there is no question who you are. He put down his brush. So, to the work at hand. We have only two days for preparation. Therefore, we must move rapidly through what I have to teach you. Hold on. You seem always to be in a rush, I told him. Exactly what preparations are you talking about? Come on, he reacted. Mahi must have told you. Told me what? About the preparation for the ceremony. What ceremony? Jack, please, let's not play games. We both know why you're here. My agreement with Raphael, your father, I told him clearly, was to bring you the jade statue. I handed it to him. There it is. Job done. But don't you intend to now train with me? Like I said, train for what? The ceremony. You, Mahi, and this. Again he raised the jade piece up high in the air, then exhaled loudly, set the thing down, and stood there a moment, staring at it. Okay, so tell me, I insisted. Do you actually know some ceremony involving that artifact? What I know from the tradition is a procedure to access information regarding how to prepare you for the ceremony. Surely Mahi told you all this. She's of course the one with the inherent ability to access the information directly, but unfortunately, she's not here. She said her grandmother, Abierta, I told him, was the one who could do all that. Ah, Abierta. Currently, we do not speak. How come? You ask too many questions. One more, I said. Have you heard from Mahi? Nothing yet. We have our heart connection. I can sense her relative safety. But we are no longer in full communication. And related to that theme... I must urgently ask you what happened that night in San Diego at my grandfather's, when you and Mahi were alone together. Raphael told you, I asked. Mahi and I, we have often practiced a certain sharing of perception, lucid dreaming, if you will. But during that evening, she abruptly closed my access to her visual and emotional experience. Hey, I said, I've no idea what you're talking about. Jack, we've no time to be coy. I talked with Rafi that night, after you were with him. Then I sat here in meditation and envisioned the candles, the fireplace, the bed, and the two of you side by side, naked before the fire. Then she, well, she shut me out. 
I suspect she was tempted that night to violate a certain professional agreement. I thought that agreement was with Abierta, I said, and it is no business of yours what we did that night or any night. Ah, you are indeed feisty, he said back, as would be expected, but this is extremely important. Before we can proceed here, you must describe exactly what happened between the two of you. Everything I perform with you shall be based upon this vital point. Were you physically inside my daughter, and if so, did she allow you to ejaculate? Tell me the truth. The guy was half yelling at me, father of the bride or not, having him so rudely pushing into my private life was just too much. I wasn't going to fight him, but I surely had the power to just turn around and walk out and avoid further conflict, which, without thinking, was what I did. I felt his eyes boring into my back, but I heard nothing more from him. As I walked out of the room, I felt so upset that I slammed the door behind me. I'd walked off beyond the courtyard into the open back of the place and discovered a series of small, perfectly kept vegetable gardens with tiny, quietly running irrigation ditches diverted from the stream running down from the jungle. The whole setup looked a lot like how the Indians hand-farmed their tiny family plots down near the town, except that about a third of the gardens here were dedicated to all kinds of flowers. Beyond the gardens, I found myself walking up a footpath that took me into the shady realms of the highland jungle that grows on the ridges at this altitude and latitude. I rounded a curve and came to a splitting of the path into three distinct choices. I wondered if Michael might come after me, considering that we'd parted in a heated state. Maybe I should turn around and head back, go work things out with the guy. I had probably overreacted to him talking bull about having magically been present when Mahi and I had had our first intimate night together. That was what had gotten me so heated up. I headed on up the middle path, came to a curve in the trail, and saw an old wooden bench set back about ten feet in a small meadow. Feeling slightly dizzy, I sat there for a few minutes with zero thoughts in my mind, just calming down from my encounter with Mike. And then, suddenly, I knew the answer to the unspoken question that had been filling my mind. I was definitely defensive about doing anything at all ceremony-wise with El Maestro, but if Mahalena needed me to play along with him in order to somehow further her work, then okay, I would trust her like I had all along. A multicolored bird fluttered right past my head, landed in a tree ten feet from me, and proceeded to broadcast unique, melodious tweets. I felt suddenly like I was somehow within a magic bubble, where everything was at least temporarily okay, and I could relax hey, and just sit and wait for Mahi. And at that moment, I felt that there was something or someone singing right inside my own chest, 
What a strange resonating sensation. There wasn't any sound in my ears, but there was a warm expanding vibration happening throughout my body, starting from my vocal cords and running down through my chest and heart into my diaphragm muscle and my breathing and then continuing on down into my balls. And at that same moment, I realized I was no longer alone. Michael came walking up to me and then stopped five feet away, breathing hard like he'd been hurrying. Our eyes locked tight. He seemed in some high-pressured emotion, even perhaps confused. Then he sighed, shrugged his shoulders, and took a seat beside me on the bench. Way up above the trees, I noticed the spewing whiteness of a big jet, perhaps a B-52, creating a quite beautiful abstract path clear across the sky as invisible winds blew the whiteness hither and thither across the high heavens. So I've made up my mind, I told Mike without any forethought. I'll go ahead and be your student, if you really need me but only if you don't get overly esoteric. I'm not some gullible gringo pushover. Well, thank God for that. Thank the scientific mindset, I said back. Ah, yes, he said. Humanity's new idol, our devoutly worshipped realm of pure abstract thought, the predictable universe of deductive mentation. Will that facade of materialist programming stand in our way today? Science never stands in the way of encountering what's real, I said. Just the opposite. He stood up. Good. And it's time for lunch. We begin at one o'clock. He started walking, and I caught up with him as we headed back toward the compound. Michael, I ventured, your question earlier about... What happened up at Raphael's? You must understand that I'm in love with Mahi, and she seems to be in love with me. She and I, we have our own bubble, and I don't want to butt heads with any paternal jealousy. No, of course, Jack. And in my high heart, I'm actually coming to feel good toward you, even perhaps to accept you as the man destined to be with my daughter. Your overall resonance is feeling, well, quite excellent. There's something else, I went on. I need to ask you about your father, Raphael, what he told me about Mahi's brother, your son, Bernardo. El Maestro stopped walking. Oh, well, ask away. But first I should tell you about my grandfather, Johannes Bernhardt, who came over here from Germany in 1936. He was a god to me. He was a truly great man. And what I'm trying to do here is carry on with his spirit, his vision, which is still something I don't even begin to understand. His son Raphael fell in love with a local woman of the shamanic path. I did the same. Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, perhaps, I said, 
My great-granddad was the fourth European settler in the Ojai Valley, and he lived alone for six years with a lingering Chumash family before bringing his wife up to the ranch. I have my father and my grandparents. They're still with me. You must be about the same age as my dad, but you appear very young. Yeah, he replied. That's because I intend to never grow up. I learned that also from my opa. But most important for what we're going to do, Jack, I learned through being half Mayan to know my place and allow the ancestors plenty of room to participate. What I'm trying to say is that when you deal with me, Juan, you are dealing with family on several dimensions. As we prepare ourselves for what is to come in the next days, we must call upon the ancestors of this place, and we must dare to leap. Tell me, what are you doing stateside that gives you passion? What are you working to manifest? What's your true calling? I stood there staring at a blank inner wall. Then something shifted inside and left me feeling nervy enough to tell him. I don't talk much about this, I said, but I'm working on a novel about my dad and granddad, and actually also about Google and what I know they're doing with resonance research. Is this to be an expose, he asked, or perhaps a mythic tale? Has some new vision taken over your innards? How'd you know? You're running with my daughter, and I know her. She attracted you, and she's attracted to you. And she is without question a living, breathing, highly explosive, mythic character herself. Yeah, I said. I'm right now just filtering and honing and dreaming, trying to stay open to what's coming to me. But your daughter has come busted into my plot outline, playing Shiva, exploding what I thought I was writing about. Place, he said. It's most interesting that we suddenly have a documentarian in the family. And I want to say, Jack, that it's an unexpected pleasure to welcome you and your particular passion. Mi casa es tu casa. You can set up a writing camp here if you want to. I always admire someone with a willingness to look, with a passion to create, and a heart at least somewhat open. So tell me now, what was your question about my father? Well, story-wise, your dad told me a big tale about some political takeover plot down here, developing a highly illegal mind manipulation tech, and so forth? Well, he said, plots are in abundance around this lake. Everyone thinks they can gobble a handful of local shrooms, trip out, and instantly know how to manage the universe. But rest assured, Raphael always speaks truth. So, how much of his story is actually happening? All right, then, you asked. Here's what you've walked into. Several years ago, Bernardo, my only begotten son, fell into curious company 
down in the city, with the kids of people related to the American embassy. He still maintains that circle. He's tightly plugged in to Washington. He turned, walked over, and sat down on a rough bench of split pine. I went to join him. So you and him, I pushed. You're not close? We're too goddamn close, he reacted. He's my son, but he was rejected by the Mayan side of my family. Mahi so outshone him that it was obvious she was the one to receive Abierta's training. So Berno went up to the Ojai Valley School where Rafi and I had also gone, when he was just seven. He seemed not to care at all about his twin sis and her shaman thing. He was focused on the intellect, and he's so goddamn smart. He paused talking, stared off into the wild blue yonder. And what then? I pushed. Well, after his undergrad stint at Princeton, he came back down here, insisting that his arrogant father and feminist sister and shaman voodoo grandmother, that our entire blood heritage was outmoded and in need of immediate transformation. He took me aside late one night, pulled me to a stop over there by that pond. We were throwing a party for his graduation, and he said to me quite seriously that he was the one destined to guide this lake into its true glory. And the very next day, he took my speedboat off for a spin, and by pure happenstance, ended up having a fancy dinner with the super-rich Latino who owned most of that side of the lake. Then he also got involved over in Santiago Atitlan with Alejandro. Alejandro's family represents the dark tradition of the lake, if I might call it that. And he latched on to Bernardo. They both like power. There's always people born with that questionable disposition. And after a few weeks of intense training, Bernardo experienced a bizarre psych-tech vision that sent him immediately off to Stanford to finish his grad studies. He also started to play the stock market, investing brilliantly, so I'm told, for his rich old Latino buddy. Then Berno returned, claiming he was going to make this lake the epicenter of a world economic hub. He firmly believes that the world is his own private playground. He's just so much smarter than most people. But he's also warped. He was just 13 when his mother got brutally killed. Yeah, I said. Mahi talked about that. Well, in reaction to the loss, Berno went entirely hard in his heart and fixated on his intellect. Long before the jade piece appeared, he was determined to use his tech inventions to quell gang warfare down in the city and put an end to violence everywhere. But the deeper question is, Juan, why has that particular power stone reappeared at exactly this moment in history? Does linear time in Einstein's universe actually overlap onto itself? 
This is perhaps a question for your novel. What's real and what's illusion? And right at this extraordinary moment in the history of consciousness, perhaps we'll finally be given an answer. And the underlying question is, who shall wield that power? Personally, I vote for Mahi. And so my son is not pleased with me. But Mike, you and I know rationally that there's zero programmed information or mystery power locked up inside that hunk of carved stone. Jack, I've based my entire life on trusting what I can experience directly, and I've sensed already that the jade was programmed by the Ancient Ones. The jade piece coming into our hands and not my son's, this is an overt gift to us. Bernardo has nothing for his own ceremony but glass. So if Bernardo possessed the genuine artifact, I asked, could he access the information? No, and Alejandro, for all his brujo posturing, doesn't carry that power on his own. That's why Bernardo came over here yesterday, insisting that I team with him to perform the ceremonies, since Mahi isn't present. In his warped mind, Bernardo is intent on honoring his mother's death by finally materializing peace on our lake, and then through his American CIA cohorts throughout the world. He envisions no more brutality, total equanimity of the masses. And he and I have an appointment day after tomorrow at his villa. I have promised to help him and Alejandro access the information within his piece. Of course, his is fake, and our attempts will fail. And if you become properly prepared with me today, then you and Mahi shall succeed. But now, before we go and begin your training, I must return to asking about you and Mahi. This is vital. Was there penetration? Um, well, yeah. Ejaculation? No. She was sure of that. Were you inside her more than once? Twice. But definitely no coming. Ah, this is a great relief, he said. So tell me, I insisted, have you heard at all from her today? Not overtly. But as a psychologist, you must know at quantum levels that there do exist multiple engagement dimensions beyond the space-time continuum. I know the math and the models, I said, but all your mystic talk about tuning into her directly through the ether, that's too far out for me. Then perhaps now is the time, he said sternly, for you to put aside materialist prejudices and tune into Mahi's presence yourself. I'm just her father. You're her long-lost Nokalito. Right now is your turning point, my friend. And abruptly leaving me with that, he stood up and walked on ahead into his seemingly placid compound.